Before I get started this morning, I'd ask you to pray with me, please. Lord, we just come to you this morning again, thankful for the many blessings you give us, all that you do for us, Lord. We have a lengthy prayer list this morning, and we lift each one up to you, Lord. I'd also pray that you would be with me this morning as I bring your word. I'd ask that you would open hearts and minds to receive it, uh, that you would be with each person here in the coming week, uh, keep them healthy, safe, and guide them along your path, Lord. I pray it in your name. Amen. All right, I'm going to start out today, the title name of our my sermon is The God Thing, and uh, this is kind of a remake on a sermon that I heard out in Lubbock uh, one of the times we were out with the kids out there, and it really touched my heart, and I thought I'd try to share some of it with y'all. Uh, if you want to open your Bible today, I'll back up. I skipped the reading of God's Word this morning, didn't I? Say, I'm sorry about that. I don't want to skip this, though, so y'all please stand again. All right. From Hebrews 1, 3, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. And then Colossians, verse 1, chapter 17, he holds all creation together. And Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 11, he makes everything work out according to his plan. Now, if y'all want to be seated, uh, if you want to open your Bible, today's sermon, I'm going to be working in chapters 1 and 2 of Ruth. The book of Ruth is one of only two books in the Bible that are named after a woman. And interestingly, it is the only book in the Bible, the only book, that God is not specifically mentioned by name. But, as the story of Ruth plays out, the evidence of God's work is apparent at every turn. I'm going to be focusing mainly on chapter 2, but in order to... Uh, get to chapter 2. I want to read out of chapter 1 first so that we can kind of know where we're at. Or more really, where Ruth was. Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Emiliach, and his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahon and Kilian. Now Emiliach, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They both married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Mahan and Kilion also died, leaving Ruth without her sons and with two daughter-in-laws. When Naomi had heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people, 
providing food for them back in Bethlehem, Naomi and her daughter-in-laws were prepared to return home from there. With her daughter-in-laws, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. At this they wept. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if anything but death separates you and me. So the two women went on and traveled back to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was astir because they had returned. Everyone was saying, can this be Naomi? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, her daughter-in-law arriving in Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. So now we'll start on uh, chapter 2. We know that Ruth and Naomi left Moab because there was no food there. I'm sure they were down to nothing to eat, no options to get anything to eat, and they were hungry. And they took off back for Bethlehem because... They had heard that there was food there that could be had. So I think that food probably was a motivation for them to head back to Bethlehem. Now in chapter 2, Let's talk about the significance of this verse. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Amelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth was the Moabite. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and work and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. Now, I'd like to point out to you that a single woman back in these days out in the wilderness walking down a trail going out to pick up barley was in danger, not only from wild animals or uh, any number of dangers, but also from men. Uh, they always traveled in numbers so that they would be, be safe. And uh, I was really frankly surprised that Naomi let her go because of the danger. Naomi knew the danger. But here again is a God thing. God was looking over Ruth as he sent her. As we're going to see here in a minute. Uh, if we move on to verse 3. At 
as it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was a relative of Ameliac. Now, I highlighted this, and I'm not very good on this, these slides. I don't, without John's help, I couldn't have got this done. So, as it turned out, I want to point that out. I want to emphasize that. As it turned out, you know, they've traveled probably, according to the map, about 200 miles on foot. And they had came back to Bethlehem. And in those days, uh, you think about going to a farm or to the barley field, it was not like it is now. I mean, there weren't fences. Uh, it wasn't clearly marked. Each landowner had a little plot of land here, there, and yonder. And it was just marked by, you know, like a pile of rocks over here. And it goes over here to this uh, olive tree over here. And then we go back to another pile of rocks. And there are probably hundreds of acres of barley out here that there could have been, I don't know, hundreds, maybe a thousand people out there working because you know how it is that during wheat harvest around here, it's all at once. You just get it while you can. And so uh, uh, she comes out to the field and there's all these people out here and all these uh, groups of men and women out working in the fields. And the, the fact that she turned up right at one of her relatives' field, Boaz, uh, was more than just an accident. I mean, it was a God thing. God was looking out for her, and I don't know why she made it to Boaz's field, but she did. And as we continue our reading here, uh, I'd like to say that, uh, before I read any more, that all of us, have experienced a God thing at some time or another in our life, uh, we may not even have noticed it, you know, until later on. I, I'm looking at one right back here, sitting on close to the back, right back here, Gerald. A God thing. It's a miracle of God, and God's hands the only reason you're here with us today. Mark, Amen. have you seen a God thing lately? Every day. Every day. God is at work in our lives even when we don't know it. You know, back from chapter 1, Ruth says, your God will be my God. Well, she didn't even know God. Being a Moabite, she didn't know about God. But God knew her. And He had plans for her. And He kept her safe. He led her where she needed to go. And it was, I mean, it's definitely just a God thing that, uh, that she ended up where she did. I'm going to give you all a little story here of a God thing that happened in my life. And it's not really a testimony, but it kind of is. And I'm going to have to read it because I'll probably crack up if I just start talking. So uh, way back in, I think it was 1984, I was a service manager, service manager of our local Chevy dealer which now just happens to be our funeral home uh, here in Quanah. And it was the last dealership there as well. And the owner I was working for, and you all may remember him, old Larry Houston, uh, sold a dealership to an investor from Amarillo who wanted to expand their business to the east from Amarillo down 287 and gain more you know, vehicle sales from this area. 
Well, uh, the business manager that they had working for them just happened to be Mary's dad. And her family moved to Quanah, and he began to manage the dealership there. I was lucky enough to keep my job when they changed hands. And uh, Mary was hired to work in the office, and that's, that's how we met. It worked. But it was just a one in a million shot in the dark that two people that had never seen each other uh, could come together like as a God thing. It was a God thing. Uh, we married, had children, grandchildren, and only by God's hand through a God thing could this have ever happened. And I thank Him every day for what He's done for me in my life. Uh, he is mighty. Okay, I'm going to re return back to verse 4 as we continue our story. And I'm going to read a little bit here, y'all. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of this harvester, Whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, She is the Moabitress who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to him, My daughter, no, I'm sorry. Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field with, for anyone else. And don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told you, I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you get thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, why, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come and come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of even one of your servant girls. Now, we can see here right now that God has put Ruth in the same field with Boaz, who just happens to be a relative of her mother-in-law. And the story progresses as we go, and next time I'm up here in the pulpit, I will pick up from right here and move on. Uh, but I'd like to point out Later on, through Ruth and Boaz coming together, together they became the great-great-grandparents of King David, whom we know was in the ancestry of Jesus Christ. 
So this whole entire thing is a God thing. It's part of God's plan to make things work for His favor. Now, the point that I want to make here today is that God is working in our lives every single day. Each and every one of us, most of the time we're not even aware of it until our life has changed. You know, some little incident, some little thing happens and everything God does is for a reason. We may not understand it, but we need to have patience and trust and faith in Him that He knows what He's doing because He does know what He's doing. Most of the time, we don't know what we're doing. But He always knows what we're doing. Uh, I'd like for each of you to just open your hearts in the coming weeks. Open your eyes. Uh, look at things in your life that, that could possibly be a God thing. I mean, it happens all the time. Every single day, probably to everybody. It's a God thing that all of y'all are here this morning. You know, uh, that even each of us were born is a God thing. And so I'd ask that you would continue to focus on the fact that God is in control, even though we don't understand it at the time sometimes. He is leading us where He wants us to go. We just need to be faithful to Him, keep our eyes open, uh, be in prayer and worship Him and thank Him every time we get a chance. Now, if anyone this morning feels moved to come forward, give their life to Christ, or if you'd like to rededicate your life, uh, if you simply need prayer, if you've got something going on in your life, if you need someone to pray with you, we ask you to come forward during this time of invitation and uh, we'll see if we can't uh, help you with what you need.